You are Locked On Raiders, your daily Oakland Raiders podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Just win. The autumn wind is a pirate, blustering in from sea. With a rollicking song, he sweeps along, swaggering boisterously. His face is weather beaten. He wears a hooded sash with a silver hat about his head and a bristling black mustache. He growls as he storms the country, a villain big and bold. Trees all shake and quiver and quake as he robs them of their gold. The autumn wind is a raider, pillaging just for fun. He'll knock you round and upside down and laugh when he's conquered and won. And won. What's up, Raider Nation? Welcome into another episode of the Locked On Raiders podcast for a Thursday, February 7th, 2019. Thank you so much for having patience with me and letting me have a couple days off of the podcast. I'm not going to lie to you, man. I had to get my legs back under me. I had to get my second win. Having that trip to Atlanta, being in Atlanta for the whole Super Bowl week and the Super Bowl game itself. First of all, great experience. Second of all, tiring as all get out. I'm telling you right now, man, when I finally got back to Central Texas Tuesday afternoon, I was dog tired. I didn't want to do anything. I didn't want to I didn't want to do it. I didn't even want to eat. All I wanted to do was shower, shower again, <laughs> do a little bit of laundry because I didn't have any laundry, and then lay in my own stinking bed. That's all I wanted to do. Now again, not complaining about being in Atlanta because it was a lot of fun. Experiencing my very first Super Bowl I've ever been at in person inside the stadium was awesome. A1 awesome. And if you follow me on Twitter at your boy Q254, you probably saw a lot of pictures that I was tweeting out, including pictures of just myself uh, in front of the in front of, on the field or not on the field, but in front of the field uh, hours before the game. So uh, don't feel sorry for me, Ra- Raider Nation. Please don't because I had a great time. But man, oh, man, it was very exhausting. And I, I just had to take a couple days, a couple personal days to myself and just get get my get my mind right, get my energy back up and everything. And so we can go full steam ahead. Uh, with the rest of the offseason and everything else is going to come up. The draft for Raider Nation, free agency is going to come up, all that good stuff. I want to be full throttle, hair on fire, you know, stick my head in a tank of gasoline, all that good stuff that my boss says. I want to do that for Raider Nation and for this podcast, but I just had to take a couple days off. A couple people tweeted at me. It was like, Q, what happened to the podcast? What's going on? Are, are you done? No, I'm not done. I just had to take a couple days. So anyway, we're back. It's Thursday, February 7th, 2019, already in the month of February. It's ridiculous. Super Bowl's officially over. I know a lot of folks probably didn't enjoy the game. I'm not going to lie. I did. I had a great time at the game, and I enjoyed what I saw on the field. A lot of defense, and I'm a guy that loves defense. I want to see that defense anyway. And the one thing that I'll take away from that Super Bowl, the one thing I'll take away from Bill Belichick and the Patriots, even when it's not a pretty day offensively, you can find ways to get it done and win a ring. They won a ring with no big studs on defense. Dante Hightower, yes, he's a stud. Stephon Gilmore, yeah, he's a stud. You know, the McCourty brothers, uh, they did a good job. But there was no high-dollar dude defensively. And I'm not taking a shot at Khalil Mack, but there was no $90 million guaranteed guy like Aaron Donald, like Sue, like Aqib Tlaib, like Marcus Peters. I mean, those are big-time names that the Rams had. The Patriots didn't have those guys. They had guys that knew what they were supposed to do, are well-coached, knew where they were supposed to be, and... They did their job, and they did their job to perfection and held the Rams with a high-flying offense that they have to three points, made Jared Goff absolutely spooked. I mean, he was shook from the very beginning of that game, and Sean McVay looked like 
a young head coach in the league and was very confused. So they showed and they proved that it could be done the old school way. So Raider Nation, there is hopes. Not saying that the Raiders are going to go to the Super Bowl next year because John Gruden has the old school mentality to him. But the Patriots and Bill Belichick proved that it can be done the old school way. So there is hope. Of course, the Raiders have a lot of things they got to do. They got to go and fill all these holes. The draft is going to be huge. The, the free agency is going to be huge. They got to get it right. Don't get me wrong. They got a long way to go. But it has been proven that it can be done. So uh, I'm excited to see the direction that the Raiders go. So that's just kind of a little bit of recap of my trip to Atlanta and, and why there hasn't been a podcast for the last few days. I just had to let you know that. Uh, coming up on today's episode in segment number three, I got a lot of calls from that Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line. I'm going to actually play those in segment number two and segment number three. Those are both going to come up. I had a lot of calls starting on Friday. I had calls on Saturday, Sunday, Monday. I mean, I've had a bunch of calls, so I'm going to clear out all of those calls in those two segments. Lots of good stuff right there. So that'll be segment number two and segment number three. A little bit of news that's happened since the last time we talked, which was on Friday. Uh, I had the Tim Brown interview on the podcast. That was really cool, and I saw a lot of people appreciated that. So I hope you enjoyed that. It was fun talking to Tim Brown. Um, you know, you can always give some feedback on what you thought, and some people on the calls that you'll hear later on in this podcast, they actually did do that. So you'll hear that later on. And like I said, segment number two and segment number three. Well, Tom Flores, he did not get voted into the Hall of Fame again. And it's a damn shame. It's kind of like the whole Kenny Stabler situation uh, that, you know, he, he just probably won't get in until he's already passed away and he won't even be able to enjoy it. I think that's stupid. The one thing I'm still upset about the whole Kenny Stabler situation, if you go to the Hall of Fame in Canton, and I've been there, I was there for the induction uh, for LaDainian Tomlinson uh, last year or the year before. I think it was the year before. Either way, I was there, and Kenny Stabler doesn't have anything Raiders in his locker at the Hall of Fame, which is insane. He has Oilers and he has Saints stuff in his locker. He has nothing Raiders. I think that that's terrible. But they put him in too late. They're probably going to put Tom Flores in too late. Cliff Branch still isn't in. That's a shame as well. And miss me with all that Julian Edelman is a Hall of Famer talk. If Julian Edelman is a Hall of Famer, then damn it, Cliff Branch should have been in a long time ago. Cliff Branch has much better numbers. Matter of fact, Cliff Branch has two catches more than Julian Edelman does career-wise, but he has 3,000 yards more than Edelman has. He has like 47 touchdowns more than Edelman has. He's been to the Pro Bowl four times. Edelman, zero. I mean, don't get me going. Don't get me on this soapbox. But, yeah, uh, Tom Flores not getting into the Hall of Fame is a, is a shame. It's long overdue. Uh, everyone gives all the props in the world to Tony Dungy. I've always been the guy to say Tony Dungy, in my opinion, was an overrated coach. I, I never was a big fan of Tony Dungy. I saw him on Radio Row and didn't even try to get an interview with him. i just just not a fan of Tony Dungy. That's one of those guys that I don't like. Uh, you know, we were talked about uh, Raiders or people that you don't like as far as being a Raider fan. Uh, some folks that we don't like, and I know Mike Shanahan was one of my guys. Warren Sapp's one of my guys. Well, Tony Dungy's one of my guys as well. He just, I felt like he was super overrated, but he gets all the props for, you know, being the first, uh, the first man of color to win a Super Bowl. But Tom Flores was that dude. Matter of fact, Tom Flores did it multiple times, and I don't know why he doesn't get props for that, but him not getting into the Hall of Fame really bugged me. Uh, you'll hear some more about that later on in this podcast, but uh, that's something that we'll just have to wait and see and see if it ever happens. I don't know if it's going to happen. Uh, other news to talk about, uh, the stadium situation. I know that's a big topic of discussion. Uh, a lot of folks wanted me to ask Mark Davis. Oh, that's another part of my Atlanta trip. I did get to meet Mark Davis over at the Lee Steinberg Super Bowl party, his 32nd annual uh, Super Bowl party. Took a picture with him. I tweeted that out at your boy Q254. 
and I was trying to get an interview with him, but there was a lot of people that were sweating him. They were all over him. He was there to receive a humanitarian award, uh, which was pretty cool because the Raiders do do a lot of stuff in the community. They do a lot of stuff in the Oakland community and the Las Vegas community, so you can't get mad at that, regardless of how you feel about the move or feel about Mark Davis. You can't get mad at that. So I wanted to get a chance to interview him, but I knew that that was not going to be the proper setting. So what I did is introduce myself, said a couple of words about the Raiders. I was a longtime fan, and he said, man, that's, that's awesome. There's so many people here that are saying how much they're longtime fans of the Raiders. And I said, yeah, well, that's what it is. Took the picture with them. Then my plan was to double back and just, you know, give him my business card and say, hey, man, I'd like to interview you when I get a chance or when you get a chance. Uh, if you if you would like or if you would reach out to me, that'd be great. If not, that's cool, too. But just give him the opportunity to reach out to me. Uh, I inter- obviously, I introduced myself as, you know, Q from ESPN Central Texas. But the problem is, after he got his award, he bounced out of there super, super quick. And uh, Helen Yee, who's actually from Las Vegas, I've had her on my show a lot of times. She covers boxing. She covers everything in Vegas. She's a really good reporter and uh, does a good job. She actually caught him on the way out the door and was trying to interview him as well. And he was like, oh, I'm on my way to try to get Tom Flores into the Hall of Fame. So that didn't happen. I know she'll probably catch up with him at some time in Vegas because he's always there. But uh, I really didn't get that opportunity. So unfortunately, I missed out. But he wasn't going to do an interview at that time anyway. So I had a, a different kind of plan. But either way, it didn't work out. So a lot of the conversation uh, ha- has been about the, the Raiders Stadium, where they're going to be playing at. I know a lot of the news broke where they were going to be playing at Oracle Park, which is the place that the Giants play at right now. And then at the same time, it said, well, the 49ers have to give up their, their territorial rights. They have to approve it. They have to give up their territorial rights. Well, they did not do that. The mayor of San Francisco came out and said she wants the Raiders playing in Oakland, not in San Francisco. Basically, she told them to kick rocks. I'm fine with that because I didn't want them playing in San Francisco anyway. You know, if you're going to play in a baseball stadium, you might as well play in, in Oakland. <laughs> at the Coliseum that it's already in. And that deal is still on the table. $7.5 million is the rent that they'd have to pay for 2019. And I think that's $7.5 million well worth it. I think if Mark Davis really th- sits back and thinks about it, as much as it might kind of hurt him to swallow his pride, nobody wants to swallow their pride. But if, it, if, if he has any kind of thoughts of, you know, trying to make a good PR move, at this point, I'm not saying it's about the fans. For me, it's about the fans. For you, it's about the fans. But in Mark Davis's eyes, it would probably be a damn good PR move just to say, you know what, at $7.5 million, I'm just going to chalk up. He's going to get it back in tenfold. You know what I mean? Once they get to Vegas, he's going to get all that money back. So I think $7.5 million, make it look like he's saying, you know what, Libby Schaff, we're bigger than you. We're, we're going to take the, you know, the high road here, and we're just going to ride it out, and, and we'll pay you the money. Even though he might not mean it. You know what I mean? Sometimes you take that L, even though... You don't really mean it, but you just want to kind of look like the good guy. I think that'd be a good idea for Mark Davis. So obviously that conversation came out. It's still up in the air where the Raiders are playing at in 2019. I don't like it. I feel like it's going to be somewhere in the Bay Area. I saw Donald Penn on a NFL Network on a, around the NFL, and that was on Wednesday evening. I saw him, and he was very adamant about them playing in the Bay Area. He said, hey, somewhere in the Bay is where we need to be playing in 2019 just so the fans can enjoy. And I'll tell you right now, man, I don't know if Donald Penn's going to be back in 2019, but he was sure riding or dying for the Raiders on NFL Network on Wednesday night, man. I really appreciated him just riding and dying. He had the all-black suit on. He had some silver jewelry on. You know what I'm saying? So he was looking the, the part. He was talking highly about John Gruden and the team and said that, hey, we screwed up in 2018. We, don't, uh, we didn't quit on John Gruden. We believe in John Gruden. We love the coach. We love what he brings. I mean, he was so super positive. You get an opportunity, man, maybe Google Donald Penn on NFL Network from uh, February 6, 2019, and I bet you you'll be able to find it. You know, everything things on the internet somewhere but he was really cutting for the Raiders man I really could appreciate the energy that he brought and the, the way he was talking about the Raiders I thought that that was 
really cool. So one of the things that was talked about on that show was uh, Derek Carr and his $19 million salary for 2019. It became fully guaranteed on Wednesday at about 3 p.m. Eastern. Uh, actually, it was $19.9 million, And he's going to get another 100000 workout bonus. So that's going to make an even, nice even $20 million for 2019. And in my opinion, I've said it multiple times, I believe that's his make or break se- season. I mean, this is the year that it's like, okay, show me what you got. You got to get it done. You're going to take that step forward or you're not. You know, if you stay and just be the guy you are, the guy you've been for the last couple seasons, then you'll probably be out the door. You won't make it to Vegas. But if you take a step forward and show that you have a better understanding, you have a better way of keeping plays alive and, uh, and, and moving forward like that and really leading this team to multiple victories. And, I mean, I think the 8-8, eight and eight, honestly, is is – is the minimum that they need to do in 2019. And that might be setting the bar high when they went 4-12 in 2018. I'm thinking 8-8 eight and eight is what they need to do just to show that progress. For a guy like Derek Carr, he needs to go up and have at least an 8-8 eight and eight season. How many winning seasons has he had since he's been in the league? One. That was 2016 when he went 12-4. and four. Well, he went 12-3, and three, and then he was out for that last game of the season. So he's only had one winning season in his time in the league. He needs to have at least an 8-8 eight and eight season in 2019, in my opinion. So uh, Derek Carr's contract fully guaranteed for 2019 as of right now. That doesn't really mean a whole lot. I mean, teams could still obviously trade for him if they want to. But again, I don't believe that that's going to happen. I've been on record multiple times of saying I don't think that that's going to happen. He has 2019, and that's just in my opinion. Obviously, the conversation is going to keep going. You heard Bill Romanowski talk about him Super Bowl week. You heard MJ Acosta talk about him Super Bowl week. You heard Tim Brown say he could be the guy moving forward, but there's things he needs to do. So that's a you know that's really really important. But that was basically all the news that was trickling out uh, that was worth assault over the time since we talked on Friday till the time right now and it's funny the week's almost over again again i apologize for missing a couple days of the podcast but i I just had to take a couple days off uh also i want to kind of give you a heads up i'm setting up an interview with john ledyard from the locked on draft network to give his realistic thoughts on the raiders draft i'm hoping to have that for friday's show and he's been on the podcast before he's really really good uh i I appreciate talking to him so i'm gonna make sure that that happens for Friday's episode, but uh, that'll be for another day. But I did want to put that in your ear hole because I know that a lot of people are excited and wondering what the Raiders are going to do in the draft moving forward. So John Ledyard's going to help us out, talk about that on Friday's show. Coming up next, segment number two, calls off that Locked On Raiders podcast voicemail line, 707-654-4693. These calls go back to starting on Friday all the way through to where we are right now. So uh, some of these are a little bit dated, but it's okay because every call is an important call. So again, 707-654-4693. You're going to hear those calls next on the Locked On Raiders podcast. You are Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Oakland Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, Every day. All right, Raider Nation, here we are. Segment number two of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. I'm your boy Q. You can find me at all times at your boy Q254 on Twitter. And also, you can call me anytime. You can call and share your thoughts on the Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line. It is always wide open like some TV antennas, 707-654-4693. So let's not talk about it. Let's be about it. Raider Al from Georgia. I just left Georgia. George. Anyway, I'm not going to disrespect that song like that. Anyway, he's calling about what Tim Brown had to say on Friday's podcast about Derek Carr and also what Bill Romanowski had to say about Derek Carr. Here's my man Raider Al from Georgia. Yo, Raider Q, what's going on, brother? Hope you're having a good time at the Super Bowl. Raider Al from Georgia. Shout out to my boy Raider Jim. Raider Jim, I used to listen to you on the John Clayton podcast early Saturday morning. Well, anyway, good interview with Tim Brown. You know, he said he think Derek Carr could be the man. 
But you know something? He just said the same thing I've been saying for two years. Derek Carr has to make some plays with his legs. He's got to make some plays with his legs. I mean, I watch Matt Ryan make plays with his legs. It ain't like Matt Ryan is fast. Matt Ryan is slow as hell. Uh, as far as Romanowski, talking about Derek Carr assault, I disagree. If you take 50-something sacks in a season with a subpar offensive line, it's going to have you thinking. The times we protected Derek Carr, what kind of games did he have? Three touchdowns, four touchdowns. I mean, the, the guy can play. You guys must have forgot Andrew Water, Jamarcus Russell, Josh McCown. Who would you rather have? Derek Carr. Raider Nation for life. Great stuff, Raider Al. Definitely appreciated uh, that call. And, yes, I had a great time in Georgia. I really had a great time at the Super Bowl. Uh, I wouldn't trade it for the world. It was a great experience, something that everybody's got to do. Again, my first time ever actually getting to go into the game. I've covered about five or six Super Bowls now, but I've never been able to get into the game. That was the first time, and it was awesome. So thank you for asking, and thank you for checking in on the Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line. Now, Back into the state where I'm at now, Dustin from the Lone Star State. He canceled his very first call he had, saying it was trash and it was a knee-jerk reaction call. But uh, he's calling about the Tim Brown interview from Friday, how he appreciated that. He's also talking about potential free agent gets by the Raiders and responding to the names he's heard on the podcast. And then his final thing, he talks on the three hated guys from a Raiders fan point of view, three guys that he hates from Raider Nation's point of view. Here's my man Dustin from Texas. Hey Q, Raider Nation, this is Dustin from Texas again, man. I'm calling back because that last call I made was trash, man. It was a, it was basically a knee-jerk reaction to me hearing about how uh, what's her face was saying that she didn't believe Carl would make it to Vegas. You know, I, I lose my 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 stuff pretty quick, man. I'm very very passionate. Uh, anyway, man, Tim Brown. Uh, that's a good kit, bro. That's a, probably one of them, that's my top, one of my top three Raiders of all time. With that Matt Kaufman in DC. But dude, I, you're pretty amazing, man. I bet you if you wanted, you could, uh, if you're in the Bay Area, you could probably, probably take Scott Bear's job, you know? But, uh, you hold it down pretty good in the Lone Star over here with me. Um, anyway, uh, I'm just going to respond to a couple guys. Uh, Marquise had a, he had a real good question about being realistic. I like that. And, uh, I want to say as our, our top, uh, tier guy, man, everyone keeps saying CJ Mosley. I mean, I, I had no clue that there's an, that he might become a free agent. I don't know how you don't resign him. I mean, if he, if he's available, if we got a chance, then man, uh, all hands on deck, go get him. That, we haven't had a, a linebacker of his caliber. Um, maybe Beaker. Beaker was real smart, but Mosley, man, it's, he, you go get him. You give him a six-year deal, and you let him be the center point of the centerpiece of your defense. I'm all about that. And uh, as for realistic guys, tier two, three guys, man, I like the Romeo Elquara, New York. Um, and like I said earlier, Kevin White, man, like uh, – Nico was saying that big, that big body dude, deep threat. That's, that's exactly what Kevin White is, man. I just hope he can turn around his injuries, um, start playing what he's capable of. And a tackle, maybe like a Donovan Smith or somebody. He was another first rounder. I don't, who didn't, I think he was a first rounder, but he never met his potential either. So you, you might maybe get him on the cheap. I don't know. 
And then uh, the other dude was saying John Brown, Speed Damon, you know, another kind of tier two guy. But he might demand a little more money than that. I'm not sure. Also, like Adam Humphreys doing the slot or Jamison Crowder, man. Uh, that, that, that'd be upgrades to what we have. And um, as for uh, uh, secondary help, free agency-wise, I like Arquez Denard and uh, Morris Claiborne. I've always liked Claiborne ever since Dallas drafting. Now the guy who had his full potential. Or maybe they just suck. I don't know. Uh, I keep, you know, once I, I grade a guy and I like him, I, I, I always think he's going to become good for some reason. Uh, and then maybe safety, like a Trey Boston playmaker. And anyway, just some realistic things. Maybe a few of those guys would help out. Uh, my three hated, uh, I think it was Vader Raider. Uh, the three hated guys for Raider Nation, man. Uh, number one, obviously Shanahan, but I can't stand Mel Kiper and I can't stand Warren Sapp. Uh, I Sapp, man, he's falling. I, I just never liked him. And then, um, then there was another guy who followed and said he wanted to say maybe take Kyler Murray and then like stock him, like keep him on the back burner. And if Carr is not the answer trading, I would say, yeah, sure. But I mean, in our position, our situation, you can't be stocking first round draft picks. And no doubt about it, Murray's going to be a first round draft pick. I mean, I'm going to say top 10 probably, you know, when people like to the moment and you know, everything that Mayfield's done. And, Wilson, you know, he's, he's going to be highly graded. And uh, I think that's that's all I have today. But all right, Raider Nation, um, later. Great stuff right there from my man Dustin in Texas. And don't worry, man, anytime you call, it is all good. I don't care if you feel like it's a knee-jerk reaction or whatever. Or say, your call's never trash. You can call and let it rip, man. It is all good. But I appreciate you calling back and uh, giving us a nice lengthy call there anyway. Uh, the next call comes from Sean. He's in Salt Lake City. He's calling about his favorites in Raider history. Instead of the hated, he wants to put a positive twist on the question uh, that was thrown out there a few weeks ago. I think it was last week. Maybe it was a week ago. Anyway, he's going to hit you with his top five. How's it going, Raider Nation? This is Sean from Salt Lake City. I'm just listening to Friday's podcast. I just got done the second one, and before I got all giddy and excited, I listened to Tim Brown. Figured I'd do a call. Um, they were talking about people, like the most hated Raiders and stuff. Kind of makes me think, be a little bit more positive and think about our favorite players. Um, as a Raider fan, we all we love our history. It's kind of what we hold on to, and we love to talk about it. Um, I like to kind of hear your guys' favorites. I can give you my top five, and these are the ones that I've personally seen. Um, at number five, I do Rich Gannon. Um, I like his temper and everything, and I just like the way he played, and he was the quarterback when I first became a fan. Of course, that's just an obvious one. Uh, number four is the receiver who kind of in the beginning of the 2000s, when I be Ronald Curry, his catch versus Denver in the snow, that one-handed catch in the back of the end zone. I remember that. I remember it clearly to this day. That was a sweet game. Uh, number three, I would say, is Derek Carr, just because of what he's done, what he um, done up to this point, and turning this franchise around. Granted, we're, we're at a different spot now, but still, he's brought hope to the team. Uh, number two being Tim Brown. So yes, I'm really excited for this next segment. But I figured I'd hear him call. And number one being Charles Woodson. Guys, um, so I, I want to hear from you guys. What do you guys think? Um, and to Brother Marquise, brought up Stuart Schwager, coming in the last. Um, man, he was not very good. You're right, but don't don't tell me he didn't look fresh in that chrome visor. I mean, do you guys remember that? I don't know if I think he wore maybe just a couple games, but man, that chrome visor looked good in that helmet. 
Uh, anyways, Raider Nation, love you guys. Bye. All right, that was a nice positive twist right there from my man Sean in Salt Lake City. And also he throws it out there. He wants to know our favorite Raiders. He wants to know who our favorite Raiders are growing up. And I think someone asked me that before, like, who are your favorite Raiders? And there's so many at so many different times. I mean, Charles Wilson is obviously at the top of my list. Tim Brown's obviously at the top of my list. Napoleon Kaufman's another guy that's at the top of my list. Uh, Rich Gannon, Bo Jackson, Marcus Allen. I mean, Thomas Howard, Kirk Morrison. I mean, I can keep going on. I mean, I, I know you said top three, top four, top five, but I just keep on going and going and going because there's so many players. I mean, there really is, you know, and I'm trying to think who would be my favorite ones from this year's team. Who's on the team right now that I'd consider my favorite player? Wow. That's actually a really good question. I mean, because I can't, I don't know if Marshawn's coming back. And I mean, he, he's been fun since he's been there. Who else would I consider? Who would I consider one of my favorite players right now on the Raiders roster? Man, that's crazy. I might not have a favorite player on the current Raiders roster. That's a really good question. Yeah, man. 707-654-4693. Raider Nation, if you got a favorite player that's currently on the roster, let me know about it. I mean, Rodney Hudson, I like him a lot. Gabe Jackson, I like him a lot. Who would I say right now on the current Raiders roster? That is a damn good question. I'm going I'm to circle back to that one, but good stuff right there from my man Sean in Salt Lake City. Now closing out segment number two is my man WAP. He's calling to talk about all the negative news that's going to be uh, put out there about the Raiders and that that's all you're going to hear. He's actually touching on the P.J. Hall situation that has surfaced online over the last few days. I didn't really pay any mind to that because it's whatever. I'm not even tripping off, off that. Uh, whatever P.J. Hall does in his in his time off the field, don't make me none. I don't care at all. All I care about is what he does on the field. And, uh, yeah, we'll see. And some of that is it might, might be bogus and it might be real. But, again, it don't make me no difference. And I do remember, Mo Hurst is one of my favorite ones. He's a defense. Yeah, he's a dude stud on defense. He's one of my favorite guys. I like P.J. Hall a lot. I'd like to see more from him. But uh, I think that those defenders, man, some of those defenders could be guys that I really, really like. I'm coming around on Garyon Conley. I mean, his play on the field has been really good. He's just a little bit. I don't know. He just seems like he's still a little bit suspect. I don't know if he's all in on being a Raider. But anyway, I'm still trying to think who I like the most on this current roster. Anyway, here's WAP. Well, I, I'll keep thinking, and here's the WAP. What up, Q? It's WAP. Uh, right now, Raider Nation, we are just easy picking for negative news. They're going to find anything and anything. If it's they're going to throw it on the wall, and they're going to see if it sticks. And that's all you're going to hear. That's all you're going to read. It's not going to be anything positive. It's all going to be nothing but negative news. Raiders are dysfunctional. Nobody wants to pick up the Raiders. Nobody wants to host the Raiders. Raiders players are getting extorted by gay people. It's like the stuff of TJ Hall and him sending naked pics to freaking dudes, you know? I don't know. I don't know what it is with this generation taking nudie pics. Don't do it. But... Hopefully we can get past this. That's just a little bump in the road. I don't know what else to say. You know, it just doesn't surprise me not one bit that all they're going to do is anything negative, and it's the Raiders. Best believe it's going to be a headliner all over the place. Raider Nation, chill out. Don't listen to it. It's just meant to distract you, and it's meant to get you all messed up in the head. Don't do it. Walk out. All right, WAP, appreciate that. A lot of good stuff right there. WAP, Sean from Salt Lake City, who put the stumper out there on me. I really didn't have a good answer. Dustin from Texas and Raider Al from Georgia. Appreciate those calls in segment number two. Coming up in segment number three, I got more calls off that Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line. That's coming up next on the Locked On Raiders podcast. You are Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Oakland Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team 
Every day. All right, Raider Nation, here we are. Segment number three, final segment of today's episode on the Locked On Raiders podcast on this Thursday, February 7th, 2019. More calls straight off that Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line. Got some good stuff that you'll hear in this segment. 707-654-4693. That is the number that you call. That is the number I encourage you to call. First-time caller or a many-time caller. It makes me no difference. I love to hear from Raider Nation in general. So hit me up. Again, 707 654 Four six nine three. Anything is good. You can talk about any subject. And we're going to start things off. My man, Vader Raider. He's in the 303. He called after the Super Bowl. He's calling about the Hall of Fame, something I touched about in segment number one. Who got in? And more importantly, who didn't get in? He also mentioned me meeting Mark Davis at the Steinberg party. Here's Vader Raider in the 303. What's up, Q? What's up, Raider Nation? Vader Raider out here in the 303. Just got done watching this horrible Super Bowl game, thinking to myself, Wow, we lost to the Rams, and I still can't believe how we lost. I mean, it it amazes me how that team just couldn't get the job done against the Patriots, but that was one of the worst Super Bowls I'd ever seen. I don't know about y'all, but that was terrible. Anyway, basis of my call was the Pro Football Hall of Fame selection. It's very disappointing, Raider Nation. i got to tell you straight off the bat. I don't understand it. I don't get it. I don't. I, I don't even want to. I don't even want to hear it. How some dude like Camp Bailey gets in the Hall of Fame? Okay, who's just a corner? I mean, I wasn't impressed. But somehow this guy gets into the Hall of Fame before the great Tom Flores, our head coach that led us to two Super Bowl victories and the first minority coach in the NFL. Are you kidding? You just straight got to be kidding me. I mean, it's it's an abomination, Raider Nation. That's what it is. It's an absolute travesty, and I will, for one, will not be watching any of the Hall of Fame inductions this, this summer. I am absolutely boycotting it, and until they get their act together, they can kiss my you-know-what. Anyway, Q, it was nice to see that picture of you and uh, Mark Davis. <laughs> I hope you kind of whispered in his ear what you'd like to see done in the off season. I hope you dropped a little something-something to be like, hey, look, Mark, draft this guy. Don't do this. Do this, you know. Because if anybody's going to talk to Mark Davis, I want it to be one of ours, and Q, you're one of us. So, Anyway, Raider Nation, after seeing this Super Bowl, I know everybody's going to be preaching defense. And, hey, we got three picks, and let's get it done. All right, Raider Nation, I hope you all didn't enjoy the Super Bowl, because I sure didn't, and the commercials weren't that good either. Anyway, Q, Vader Raider, and, hey, Raider Nation, have a good week. Vader Raider. Great stuff right there, Vader Raider in 303. And I will say, I was pretty upset about Tom Flores not making it in. As you heard in segment number one, I felt like for years that he should be in, just like Cliff Branch. But it is what it is, and at some point, he's either going to get in or he's not going to get in. And if he does get in, it'll probably be similar to Kenny Stabler, just like I mentioned in segment number one. And that really, really bothers me. And again, Julian Edelman is not a Hall of Famer if Cliff Branch is not a Hall of Famer. And hell, Julian Edelman probably ain't a Hall of Famer regardless. But Cliff Branch should be. That is an absolute joke that he's uh, not in there. Branch's numbers and accomplishments blow Edelman's out of the water. 
But anyway, let me refocus. We were talking about Flores. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to play for you what Hall of Fame voter John McClain for the Houston Chronicle. You can find him on Twitter at McClain underscore on underscore NFL. Uh, he's on my radio show every single Friday about 1230 Central Time. And uh, he's a voter. He talked to my co-host Craig Smoke and me Friday before the actual voting took place on Saturday. It's just basically going through the voting process and what he'd like to see. It's about a six-minute piece of our 20-minute conversation with John McClain, but I think it's good stuff, and it kind of gives you a little bit of insight to what goes on inside that room when they're doing the Hall of Fame voting. Here's John McClain. Tomorrow, you have a very busy day. As you will be uh, boarded up, so to speak. You'll be locked in a room. Eight and a half hours. Eight and a half hours with a bunch of other uh, pro football writers, uh, Shereen Williams, uh, you know, amongst many others. There's who we, 48 of us, yeah. including Dan Fouts and James Lofton, from, who are Hall of Famers mm-hmm. and broadcasters. And I can't wait. Now, the one I'm really happy for is Gil Brandt. Gil's a lock. Shereen is presenting him. I said, don't worry. Don't get nervous because Gil, who's been in the NFL since 1959, when the Cowboys hired him, he was a baby photographer. And, you know, he was fired in 89, but his impact has gone way beyond inventing computer scouting and all his contributions to the Cowboys, most popular team in history and most hated team in history, but his impact on the NFL. And uh, I talked to Gil this morning about it, and he's just so humble. I said, you know what? You got a Texas Sports Hall of Fame. This is all about a three- or four-year span. Then you go into the Ring of Honor. Now you're going into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And he said, I, he said I'm still you know, kind of shocked. He said, I hope I get that knock on the door. <laughs> I said, you'll get that knock at the door from David Baker of the Hall of Fame. And I said, have your wife filming inside. Don't wait till the Hall of Fame films with the door being open. Mm-hmm. Good advice. And so I'm really, really happy because I know he's a lock. And this is why we invented the contributors category to take people, take care of people who've had an impact on the NFL beyond coaching and playing. And I also believe that coaches should be considered for the contributors category. And we get guys like Jimmy Johnson, won yeah. two Super Bowls. Tom Flores won two Super Bowls. Tom's a finalist. Jimmy has been. And uh, I, I think Jimmy Johnson deserves to be in there as well as Tom Flores. But it's hard when you've got so many worthy players. Right. And there are a lot of worthy players. Yeah. I mean, some of the names, Steve Atwater, Champ Bailey, Tony Baselli, Isaac Bruce, Don Corey, uh, yeah, Don Coriel, Tony Gonzalez, Steve Hutchinson, Edron James, Ty Law. I mean, the list goes on and on and on, John. And something's gotta, there's got to be a line drawn somewhere. There's a couple that seem pretty obvious. What do you think are the biggest bubble factors uh, in play here? Well, first of all, Tony Gonzalez and Ed Reed are locked. Some mm, people yeah. think Champ Bailey is. I believe Champ should go in, but I like Ty Law. I've voted for him for years. Great corner for the Patriots who won three Super Bowls. There are very few Patriots from this dynasty. I wrote about this Sunday, a column for why they're the greatest dynasty in history. It's indisputable. So is Belichick and Brady as the greatest coach and quarterback. And one thing I said, how many are going in the Hall of Fame? Brady will, obviously. Belichick, I think Gronk will. Mm -hmm. Randy Moss had a cup of coffee in there, but he didn't go to the Hall of Fame. We didn't vote for him last year because of what he did with Minnesota primarily, even though he was great in 07 with the Patriots. But there's not a lot. 
And uh, I think nine Super Bowls, and I think they're going to win their sixth. They deserve to have some players in the Hall of Fame. We we saw two wide receivers go in last year, Randy Moss, Terrell Owens, uh, regardless how Owens went in. But uh, what about Isaac Bruce? We, we had him at the table yesterday. He, he laid his resume down in front of us, and we actually got a chance to just stare at the stats that we all knew Isaac Bruce was a great player. But when you look at the numbers, you, it almost kind of blows you away. What are your thoughts on Bruce? I think, I think this, Q, um, the receiver's numbers are skewered because of the rules that have been designed to open up offenses. So, so many of them have great numbers. And for whatever reason, we don't talk about this, but it takes receivers a while. Took Michael Irvin yeah. three, Chris Carter three or four, and Isaac is weighted. I think something that hurts him. And remember, this is not something we talk about. This We don't talk in the meetings about, well, let's don't put this guy in because he didn't talk to the media. Or you, you vote for my guy, I'll vote for yours. That mm-hmm. has never come up in my like 28 years of doing this. and uh, But Isaac Bruce, I think, because you have Kurt Warner, Marshall Falk, and Orlando Pace, that's three off that offense, the greatest shown turf, went to two Super Bowls and won one. I know that the next receiver will be Isaac Bruce. It's going to be hard this year if, indeed, there are three locks, and then the senior, the Johnny Robinson from the Chiefs, and then the two contributors, Pat Bullen and Gil Bryant, they'll be automatic. So if you have three locks, that's only two right. for everybody you just mentioned, Craig. And it's hard. We're getting things in the, sent to us. And, and tonight, I'm going to – and I think I know just about everything, but if people send me something, I owe it to them to read everything. Right. So i got a lot of reading to do tonight, including <laughs> a thing from Tom Brady about why Ty Law should be in there. Oh. And uh, people calling us. It's a year-round process. You know, we talk, we email, we text each other. They send out things to, to us. We do things with promoting our guys. And then we take that initial list down to 25, then to the 15 modern era finalists. So it's not like baseball where 425 people vote anonymously. Yeah. We talk about it. There are 48 of us. 80, you got to get 80%. It's 75% in baseball. So, let's see. I went to Baylor. I'm not good with numbers. <laughs> I can say that since I'm already a distinguished That's player. right. Yeah, that's right. right. Yeah. Um, what is, is it nine, nine of, is it nine of 48 that can keep a guy out? I think it's nine or ten out of 48. Something like that, yeah. And so, I always hear people killing the committee. When it could be a small segment mm-hmm. that's actually keeping somebody out, and uh, I love the process, and I understand the criticism. People get their feelings hurt when their guy doesn't get in. It's understandable, and there's a lot of personal attacks from columnists and talk show hosts, but that just goes as part of being the responsibility. So as you heard there, John McClain thinks that Tom Flores should be in. Obviously, he didn't get in, but he also said how difficult it is to just narrow it down and get the, the people in that should be in. And, and, you know, it's a very selective group. It's not a large amount that they elect in every year. But what he did suggest, and I think it's a good idea, that coaches should be under the contributors. Coaches should be part of the contributors uh, voting, and that would get guys like Tom Flores in. He, he also mentioned Jimmy Johnson from the Cowboys, and I don't have to be a Cowboy fan to know that Jimmy Johnson did a hell of a job with the Cowboys and uh, led them or helped lead them to all the rings that they got when they made that big super trade, Herschel Walker and all that. We all know how that goes. Raider fans are hoping that the Khalil Mack trade turns into the Herschel Walker trade or is similar to what 
the Herschel Walker trade was for the Cowboys. So uh, that kind of gives you a little bit of insight. I know it's not a, a great system, and I know it's not a great answer, but that's just from one Hall of Fame voter right there. Thought that it might help to hear that. Uh, maybe it didn't. Maybe, maybe it made it worse. I don't know. You can let me know. But uh, let's keep this thing moving. 707-654-4693. J.C. Raider from Utah. He's throwing out a question to Raider Nation and to me as well. Hey, Q. This is J.C. Raider out of Utah. And I uh, just wanted to check in with just a, a quick question. We were talking about cars some again, and and uh, because of the recent stuff that Romo said, and I wanted to pose a question to you and the rest of Raider Nation. And here's a question: What do you think Carr needs to do to make it to Vegas to say, "Yeah, that's our guy." Uh, Everyone's going to say, oh, well, they need to win. Well, yeah, they need to win, and we all know that. But they can't put that all on Derek Carr. Yeah, he's got to be the leader. He's got to be able to make plays and everything. But, um, you know, it's going to depend. A lot of it's going to depend on what we get in the draft, what we get in free agency, what kind of team that he has around him. But what does he personally need to do to say, yep, that's our guy. He's he's tough. He's a, he's a tough Gruden-type type QB that we need. Um, me personally, my my list is going to be you know, stop the stupid mistakes, the, the dumb interceptions that were clearly on him. Um, the you know not not being able to scramble uh, when he has a clear ability to be more mobile. He needs to to be that guy, the guy that can go and not just win games, but just make make the big plays when he has to. And, and uh, so that's my list. But, hey, what do you think, Raider Nation? Let me know. And I'll talk to you later. I'm out. All right. So, J.C. Raider from Utah wants to know what it's going to take for Derek Carr to make it to Vegas in 2020. And I, I kind of touched on this a little bit earlier, but it's simple, man. It's it's what Tim Brown said on Friday on, that you heard on the podcast in that interview. He's got to run the ball when he has a chance. I mean, he has to run the ball. He's got to use his legs. He was using his legs in 2016 up until the point where he got hurt. I mean, we remember the Saints game, the very first game of the season when he ran and, and extended a play and ended up doing a somersault. And, you know, the coaching staff was looking at him like, hey, man, you can't be doing that. But he was showing that spirit. He was showing that fight. He was showing some of that stuff that Tim Brown was talking about. Rich Gannon would run right up his butt if he didn't get out the way. So he's got to have that awareness. He can't just sit back there in the pocket and take 51 sacks like he did in 2018. He's going to have to do things with his legs. And Raider Nation, I don't care how big of a fan of Derek Carr you are, and I do like him. I know I didn't say that he was one of my favorite Raiders, but I do like him. I think he has the ability to get it done. We saw what he did in 2016. I think he can do it. I think he can he can work really well with John Gruden and, and be a very successful quarterback. But he's gotta he's gotta have all elements of the game. He's gotta be able to throw the ball, check. He's gotta be able to make a smart play, check. He's also gotta be able to extend plays with his legs. He's gotta be able to make a bad play turn into a good play. You know, and we've seen it. We have seen opportunities for him to run, and instead he folds. He can't do that. To be a successful quarterback, he's going to have to make plays with his legs. That's what I think he's going to have to do. That's what's going to separate his 2018 season from his 2019 season. If he could do what he did in 2018, but also incorporate running the ball a little bit, or, or a lot of bit if necessary, that will make him that dude. That will put him over the top. That, in my opinion, is what he has to do to get to uh, see Vegas in 2020. That's just my opinion. 707-654-4693. Uh, that is something that Raider Nation could speak on if they'd like to. So, again, 707-654-4693. Final call. 
of today on Thursday's episode, February 7th, 2019, this Thursday, is from Nico in North Jersey. And hey, look, he is a Derek Carr dude. He cuts for Derek Carr. He has Derek Carr's back. And he's actually calling to give a few takeaways from the Super Bowl on Sunday. And he's going to ride or die for Derek Carr. And I ain't mad at him. I love to hear the passion out of Nico. So closing out the show today is Nico in North Jersey. To Radio Nation, it's your boy Nico from North Jersey. Uh, I want to give a call today. Uh, it's a Monday, day after the Super Bowl. Couple, couple takeaways from that Super Bowl, man. Uh, honestly, bummed out that we got to watch the Patriots waste another trophy. Uh, kills me. But a couple takeaways. Number one, two quarterbacks in the Super Bowl. One, best to ever play, legend, whatever. The second one, Jared Goff. Everyone's crowning him. Oh my God, he throws for all these yards, all these touchdowns, this offense. Oh man, this is, this is so high flying. Tell me, you better have that quarterback that you watched. That, that awful Super Bowl. Derek Clough. Please tell me. Tell me you'd rather that Jared Goff can't even make a throw in that Super Bowl. Oh, Derek Clough. I'll take Derek Clough. Thank you. So don't, don't, don't talk to me about we need a new quarterback, we need a new quarterback. No, we do not need a new quarterback. Derek Clough could have easily done as bad as Jared Goff did in the Super Bowl. And look at the weapons he has. It's unbelievable, man. Stop the Derek Clough talk. Stop with the we need a new quarterback trade talk. We do not need a new quarterback. If you watch anything about that game, what we need is to protect Derek Carr. Okay? We need to protect Derek Carr because ooh, did you see that defense that, that Bill Belichick put up out there? They were swarming. And tell me how many all pros are on their defense. Okay, Take their defense versus the Rams defense. And this is the second take I have for you. Rams defense. Oh, my God. Dominic Carr's Peters, Tolise, all these people, Fowler, all these money guys, big names. And they got showed up by Bill Belichick's team. With how many big names do they have? Gilmore? That's it. So don't tell me all these players matter. The coaches are so important. That's the thing that they got. It just gives us hope, man. It gives us hope that we don't need the best players. We not, yes, we need players, but we don't need the best of the best because Bill Belichick doesn't have the best of the best. He's got his mind. And I think if we can get our coaches, uh, I'm, man, give me a little hope. Give me a little hope because uh, that's not our problem, which is awesome. As long as you have a quarterback, you've got a chance in this league. It, it's all about the coaches, man. The coaches, the philosophy. Man, what you take away, man. Coaching on defense. Yes, we need players, but we don't need the best of the best. Because that was the Rams. They got everybody, and they lost. And then flip side, just got just need a defensive quarterback. Well, we got one. We drop with talent, drop with protection. I see this, man. I'm telling you, it gave me a little bit of hope. Hope it gave the rest of Raider Nation that we shot to turn this thing around in the next two years. I'm telling you, the goal for next year, 500. And we open in Vegas. There's nothing in this world, unless we get rid of their car, that we should be aiming for, or that we should see anything less than playoffs. And I know we got the Chiefs in our division, I know we got the Chargers in our division, blah, blah, blah. But there's no way that, like, you cannot see that as a genuine possibility. 2020 playoff run. I, I just, there's no way, unless we get rid of the car. Because if we get rid of we're dropping the franchise back a few years.
that's how we're not going to do it. But if we keep pulling and we surround him with talent and we surround him with offensive line and we surround this defense with talent, we we got real shot. It doesn't take much. It really doesn't take much. So, Restorated Nation, I love your thoughts on the Super Bowl. Uh, I want to know if any of you guys also felt that, you know, this gave us a little bit of, I don't know, a little bit of positive. Our team, you know, is the worst of the worst. We got a shot because I'm saying the talent that the Patriots have on defense is not anything. And they just shut the quote-unquote most potent offense, the team before, and then now this team, Rams, to three points. Three points. So, come on, man. Anything possible, just, again, that's all I'm doing. I can talk to you. So, Ray Nation, peace out. Great stuff right there. I love the hearing the passion again, man. Nothing wrong with that. A passionate dude is a cool dude. So, Nico, keep doing your thing, man. I, again, I respect your call and respect your opinions. And uh, Raider Nation, respect everybody's calls and opinions and definitely appreciate all the calls. So, coming up on Friday's edition, like I said, John Ledyard from the Locked On Draft Network. He's going to give his realistic thoughts on the Raiders draft. So uh, that should be a really good one. Last time I talked to him, I think we had like a 20, 25 minute interview and it was it was awesome. So I'm expecting the something similar to that for Friday's episode. So look forward to that Raider Nation. You want to get a little draft talk? I know a lot of you hit me up about the draft. You'll hear it on Friday's episode of the Locked On Raiders podcast. Until then, as always, Raider Nation, just win, baby.